<laughs> hey. What Guess is what's up? up? What's up, y'all? Yo, yo, yo. We Are we doing this or what? Man, this is real. This is actually happening, man. Actually what? happening. This is real. We've been talking about doing this for a while. So I, I should say, I should say, Jerry's been trying to get me to do this for a while. He's been on me. He's been pushing me. We've talked about it. So like, like, if if this is late coming out, it's only because date has been dragging his feet. So be, be thankful <laughs> to Jerry that this is out. If you don't like this, that's Jerry's fault too. <laughs> well, you know what? It's like it's like Kansas City barbecue, baby, low and slow. It took us a minute, but when it when it's yeah. here, it's it's good, you know? All right. Let let man, I'm ready, man. Let let's 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 do this. So let, let this is this is how we we're already gonna get canceled. We're like three minutes into the show. We haven't said the name. We haven't said our name. We haven't said nothing. Nothing. All right. So first, so we should tell welcome to the inaugural episode of Trailblazing. That's right, y'all. Trailblazing. It's exactly what it sounds like. Trailblazing. And and the two Trailblazing anchors, my name is Date M. And I'm Jerry Jones. Jerry. All right, Jerry. So first, why don't you um, you tell them a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, Jerry Jones, I've been a lifelong Kansas Cityan. I'm the husband to Heidi, father to Anna. Um, you know, I've spent a long time um, working in um, the equity space, primarily around health, uh, a little bit of dabbling in racial and economic justice. And, and you're a podcast producer, apparently. Well... <laughs> You know, I'm. A, you know, I, I went from a wannabe to a, a gonna be. I'm faking it until I make it, man. I'm. I'm. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm trying to be the next uh, Bill Simmons. All right. Not so, trying to be Russell Simmons. You don't want to be Russell Simmons right now. I'm trying to be the Bill Simmons. You don't want to be Russ. <laughs> See. <laughs> All right. My my name is Date M, and I also am a KC uh, resident, proud resident of Kansas City. I'm, I'm not lifelong like Jerry. I'm like a uh, back part of my life, but it has become home. I love it. Um, I don't know about this low and slow barbecue kind of stuff. I mean, I, I'll take it high and fast, that, that whole thing, right? Since we ain't got baseball, I'll take it like that. Um, I'm a community organizer. Uh, I work for an organization called Faith in Action. I'm, I'm a community agitator. Um, when, when I'm on my best behavior, I'm a reformed clergy person. And uh, most importantly, I am the father to three amazing daughters, Imani, Verena, and Kairos. And uh, they, they, um, they're probably going to be the first three listeners to this thing only because I made them. And even then, they, I doubt that they'll make it through the whole episode. You, you, t- you tell them that you was going to take their cell phones away until the, if, if they didn't listen to it? Well, I, I already automatically um, have it set to download on all of their phones. <laughs> oh, you like U2. Isn't, isn't that what U2 did uh, with that, that terrible album like six, seven years ago? Oh, see, yeah. don't, don't at me, y'all. Don't. Hey. I... <laughs> all right, man. First, and the other thing is, why, why, why did we name this thing Trailblazing, dude? Well, <laughs> well uh, for, for those of you who, are, who may be watching us right now, uh, it should be pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm black, and you're Asian. Wait, you're black? I'm black. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, yeah. But you don't sound black. 
You know, I have not heard that before. I've never, I've never, I, you know, man, look, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I might be like the other Jerry Jones. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, if you're the other Jerry Jones, could you go ahead and pay Dak, please, especially now? That now we that Mahomes about to get his money? That's see, right. We just dated this episode, see? So, so part of why we call see, part of why we call it trailblazing, because not only are we, you know, black and Asian, um, but sometimes we might blaze a trail that that goes way left from where we started. And we just kind of, we zig when we ought to zag, you know, and sometimes we, we might leave behind us a, a blaze of glory because we, sometimes we coming in hot. So that's, 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 that's why we're trailblazing, man. And I, I might just add that, 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 that's right on Jerry. The other thing I would add is I want you all to know that Jerry and I, we uh, pre-COVID would get a, together a couple times a week mm. and we would love to get together at um, Hoopers for those of you all who are in Kansas City. Shout out to and Charlie Hoopers. Just, shout out to Charlie Hoopers. They're also, they're doing curbside delivery at this point. Um, and we would just talk about all kinds of things. So what you trailblazing is intended to do is you all are getting kind of a little bit into insight of like what Jerry and I are like to talk about, the things that kind of come up for us. This is, for the most part, it's unscripted. Uh, we're, we're, we're not doing anything other than to give you a glimpse into kind of our heart, our passion, and then sometimes there'll be hot takes and sometimes they won't be, but we're going to try this thing on. So, Jerry, you ready to jump in on the first? Uh, man, hey, I, man, I've been, I've been waiting to jump in on this one, man. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. So the first thing we're going to talk about is um, J.C. Nichols and cancel culture. Um, so why don't mm. you take a minute, Jerry, and just talk to us about J.C. Nichols. Like, who is this dude? Okay. So y'all, okay. So after George Floyd's murder, people of Kansas City, just like people all across the country, took to the streets uh, in Kansas City, the place where our protests were centered were around an area called the J.C. Nichols Fountain, which is adjacent to the Country Club Plaza, which uh, I think it may have been the first or second outdoor shopping center in the country. It was designed uh, by a gentleman named J.C. Nichols, um, who I would consider the perfecter of redlining. Oh, man. He, listen, our, you know, your boy, your boy Trump went to Mount Rushmore uh, just a, a couple days ago. If there was a Mount Rushmore for structural racism, I would put J.C. Nichols right where Teddy Roosevelt would be, like kind of on the inside, like that, you know, kind of the third, like he's kind of, they kind of put Roosevelt in like, oh, we got to, we need a third person. Who can we throw in here? Oh, let me throw in Teddy Roosevelt. J.C. Nichols would be that one on the Mount Rushmore of structural racism. All right, let me let me add one little thing to that because <laughs> we are already going to get ourselves in trouble. Um, J.C. Nichols, as Jerry said, um, to, just to push on this red line in bit just a little bit more, it, he essentially began what was called um, instituting racial covenants. And racial covenants are simply um, he wrote into the deed of a house. So if you're a white person and you bought a house from J.C. Nichols, inside the deed of that house was very specific language that said you cannot sell the house 
to someone who's black, someone who's a, a Jew, uh, someone who's Mexican or someone who's Chinese. So those are the words. And even if you wanted to sell that house and, and you sold it to one of those four folks, you could then get prosecuted. And so he embedded that language into the house. And then eventually what that did was it, it segregated neighborhoods in Kansas City, right? So um, it's not accidental that we have an east and west of truth in Kansas City. It's not accidental that there is a line of demarcation about where white folks generally tend to be and where people of color tend to be. So that's what J.C. Nichols did. And what we're, what's happening right now is the, this, um, the Parks and Board uh, uh, commissioners took a vote and they voted to rename J.C. Nichols Parkway and um, J.C. Nichols Fountain. They're looking, they're going to try and come up with some names for the fountain, but the parkway is going to go back to its original name called um, Mill Creek Parkway. And so our first thing is whether this is an appropriate use of, um, ha is this legit or is this not? And so Jerry, what's your take? So I just need to preface it by saying, I don't want y'all coming at me. Don't at me on Twitter for what I'm about to say, but I don't think it's legit. I don't think it's legit. Not legit. Not legit. No, because he, if, if all those people that took to the streets, all those people who were pepper sprayed and tear gassed, um, that, that endured all sorts of atrocities by the Kansas City Police Department, if the thing they were asking for was, we want to rename this area to Mill Creek Park, I would be okay with that. But that's not what they was out there for. What does that, <laughs> what does that have to do with police reform? What, I, I, I'm, I'm still trying to understand that. What, what, what's the, how does this move the ball forward on the things that people are taking to the streets for? is what I'm trying to figure out. So um, you are going to get added, bro. So um, <laughs> let, let me say this is, I mean, we're clear that what protesters were doing around police reform is, is disconnected from the parks and recreation mm -hmm. board, right? So they're, they're, they're not connected and, and the parks board, um, uh, under the leadership of, of Chris Good, who, who, who introduced it, said, we don't think this is a solution. We think this is a first step. So we're not trying to conflate the fact that, um, that, that, that the two are intrinsically linked. Um, here's what I would say, though, Jerry. I, I think this is legit. And, and here's why I think it's legit. Symbols matter. Symbols are rooted in our history. And symbols mean something, or um, we take them to mean something. And as we can clearly see from our president, he has decided that um, symbols of white supremacists and racists actually mean something to him and the people that he is trying to reach uh, in, in terms of his message. So for our Parks and Recreation Board to say, you know what, he, this is a legacy J.C. Nichols is a legacy of our past, and rather than continue to promote this legacy and to lift it up, what we're going to do is um, is challenge that legacy and say that that these are, he is not the kind of symbol 
that that we want to um, that that we want to kind of lift up is in terms of who we are. I'm about that. I, it can't be the only thing. Right. And to your point, we 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 got to be a little more clear about how we're addressing um, uh, police reform. But for J.C. Nichols, who in a lot of ways for Kansas City Cityans is synonymous with racism, particularly structural racism and how it has divided our city, for us to then start to say, hey. We we want to reclaim a different path. I think that I think that's legit. W one other point I'll say is, I think changing the name of both the Parkway and the Fountain, for us to do that is actually saying we're starting to tell the truth about our history. Part of what I hear from folks is, say, um, is that hey, we, let, let's let's uh, I don't want us to give a varnished history. And 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 I want us to start to tell the truth about our history because here's the thing that truth like we're not demanding people be perfect. I don't think we only promote people who are perfect because none of us fit that bill. But I want us to tell the truth and 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 for Kansas City to struggle the way it does with how segregated the city is, then we that that's directly connected to J.C. Nichols, and we need to start naming that. We need to start teaching that. We need to start saying that. Um, and, 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 and then start to think about like what next steps are after that. So I'm down for this. Well, so the reason why I believe that what, what the parks board did is not legitimate. It's not that they didn't do anything wrong. Chris Good, obviously is good brother that, you know, parks board. The reason why I'm saying it's not legitimate is because I believe it lets the city off the hook, specifically lets the police mm. department off the hook. Because they will be able to say, well, the name got changed. Well, y'all didn't have nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's delegitimizing the work, and I think the, the right call on the Parks Board is the lack of action that we've seen um, and the resistance to change that we've seen from the police department. Their lack of action is what delegitimizes that. So that's a great point. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. What does it mean when our Parks Board is being more proactive than mm -hmm. our 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 mayor and our city council right and then and then let's throw in this whole thing which we might need to address in a different episode is um that we don't have local control of our police department right, right. so it's not the mayor who actually in the city council who who appoints a board to oversee the police that's a that's a thing that our governor does only city in the United States in which that's true. So there are issues, but you're right. Like this does not take the place of police reform. And I would say, look, I mean, I think there should be a statute of limitations on who gets canceled. And I, I would say the only reason why J.C. Nichols to me is exempt from that uh, statute of limitations is the fact that his policies, his poison pill is still wreaking havoc Absolutely. So, yeah, he is not exempt from cancel culture, but I do believe that there should be a statute of limitations at some point on on who gets canceled. Because, I mean, we're, we're seeing all kinds of statues and stuff coming down, man. I'm like, at a certain point, man, do we do we have to draw a line and say, how how long before you just don't get canceled anymore? It's a good question. And, and I think it's a question that's really up for, for debate. Like, like we need to be talking about this, but let me say one more thing is if we're really going to try to take on the legacy of um, a, 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 a structural racist legacy, 
then maybe we need to be changing the name of our county. Come on. I mean, hey, <laughs> I mean, we are named after Andrew Jackson. Yeah. So let, let, let's ask our Native American brothers and sisters, um, our Native American sibling, whether they, they want to um, they, they lift up Andrew Jackson as, as being an American hero. Like, like there's some more work to be done. Like, th this is a first step. I'm down mm -hmm. for the first step. Let's keep taking some other steps. Do you see, do you hear that bell? We're done. Oh man, see, you better be glad for that timer, man. Cause I mean, I, I was about to go, okay, do we, do we change the name of the nation's capital? Oh. <laughs> Homeboy right, has, go. I mean, I'm not even gonna go there. I'm not even gonna go there. But y'all, when y'all at me, just know if you at me, I'm gonna go into George Washington and why he shouldn't even be on the, on the dang, uh, on our money. Okay. I, Wow. So you were just leave it like that? Uh, I mean, hey, why are all these slave masses on our money? I'm just, oh, hey, I mean, okay. I mean, sorry. I, hey, see, I've been known. I, I might be the, I don't do hot takes, but I do more like kind of Molotov cocktail <laughs> takes where I just throw it and run. That I think I'm yeah. just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, that we we should and we should unpack this a little more. Yeah. And not just think about it from a can see perspective, but like what does it mean to venerate some people over others? Right. Um and, and this whole notion of who's a hero, uh and, and how they get lifted up. Um yeah. it, it is problematic. It is but we're gonna go we're gonna go into topic two. Oh, man. Topic two, man. we're titling it masking distancing and health equity for those of y'all that don't know jerry jones is a health equity just uh super freak he lives breathes <laughs> eats it he knows everything about it um so jerry i'm gonna let you set up kind of this whole thing and then um get us into this conversation so obviously you know we you know, we, we're dealing with COVID-19 and, you know, and that's wrapped up in this whole notion of dealing with, you know, we're, in a, we're, we're dealing with what we call a, a syndemic. A syndemic uh, is multiple pandemics happening simultaneously. So we have COVID-19. Did you just drop some word knowledge on us? Syndemic, man. Not sin, <laughs> not as in uh, the road to sin as, you know, is paved with good intentions or anything like that. It's, it's sin as in multiple. S-Y-N. <laughs> but what we have, uh, we're also dealing with 1619, right? Mm. Like we're dealing with um, historic, I even caution myself to say structural racism because I, racism is inherently structural. Um, but what we're seeing uh, with COVID-19 is a disproportionate impact on black and brown folks um, here in Kansas City. And the New York Times just published something yesterday, which showed that we're seeing disproportionate uh, numbers of uh, African Americans and Latinx folks all across the country. I know here in Kansas City, about 29% of the positives, uh, positive tests for COVID uh, are African American. I believe almost the same percentage uh, of those we believe are Latinx um here in kansas city but we we don't make up 29 percent 
Mm. Well, we make up 29% of the population, but when you start digging into the percentage of folks who live here, like it's not affecting white folks the same way. It's affecting black and brown folks. Um, and it's a problem. Not only are we more likely to contract COVID, but we are also more likely to have an adverse effect. Um, we're dying. We're, we're, we're more likely to die uh, as a, as a, as, you know, from COVID as, as uh, our white counterparts are. It's, and it's pretty disgusting, to be honest with you. So the whole thing about not wearing a mask, mm. man. And I'm not saying, here, real talk, it is not just the Karens that you see on the internet <laughs> that aren't wearing masks. There's plenty of black and brown folks not wearing masks. So I just That's need to right. put that out there, okay? But man, there is a difference in the attitudes about wearing a mask that are, to me, couldn't be more further apart. And it feels, it's, it's been politicized, uh, but mm -hmm. I also believe that it's racialized, to be honest with you. Um, it's bad. So let's, yeah, let's look at this a little more. You got the numbers in front of you, right? Um, how, what, what is, uh, what are the reported cases of um, COVID reported? So we know that there, there are probably more cases than those are actually reported because some folks don't have access. Oh, to yeah. Some folks aren't getting tested, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. But what, what, are, what are the reported cases, the numbers of reported cases of COVID by race? We're 29% here in Kansas City. Um, and... Uh, Latinx is about 28%. Can I just real quick, speaking of, so you had mentioned that uh, there's, you know, there's not as a, a lot of testing, like relative to our population, the testing uh, just hasn't been there. And I would say that if it wasn't for the work of Councilwoman Melissa Robinson, shout out to Councilwoman Melissa Robinson, third district, Kansas City, Missouri. If it, <laughs> shout if, out. If it, if it, not if only it, did you get her name, but you got her district. Hey, if it if it wasn't for her, I don't. I I'm just gonna say I don't think there'd be any testing going on in the black community. Targeted mm. testing in the black community, outside of what the fairly qualified health centers are doing. But she has gone above and beyond uh, to me to to pull the spotlight onto Eastside Kansas City to make sure that the same as much as we can get equitable access to testing. Uh, and access to, to healthcare during this uh, uh, pandemic. Um, without her, I don't, I don't think it's happening. But so the numbers that we're seeing, so 29% of the positive cases uh, are African-American uh, in the city. But I would venture to say that if we had actually equitable access to healthcare in the black community, the numbers, the percentages would probably be higher. Right. So, so let's look at these numbers just a little bit, just so we're clear. Um, uh, according to, to, to um, the numbers that we have in front of us, reported cases, uh, black folks are, 29% um, of black folks, as Jerry said, um, have COVID. And then uh, 24 or 25% of white mm. folks, 8% um, mm. of folks, who are unknown, we don't know what their race are. 7.6% yeah. um, of Asians, and then 0.10% of Native Americans. And then there's this other group that says uh, it's 29% of 
um, other race groups. And just to be clear, that other race groups, because in, in this, the, um, this reporting, that they consider um, Latinx folks as an ethnicity. So they group them in this category of other race groups, right? So that's the reported cases of COVID. What makes this problematic, as Jerry just said, is that'd be one thing. So you might hear that and you might be like, okay, 29% of, um, of, of, of folks, of Black folks, and then 29% uh, of Latinx folks and 24% of white folks, that's a lot. But you have to then compare that data to the total representation, total mm -hmm. population. So we look at total population. Right, based on 29 census numbers, white folks in the Kansas City area make up 60.1%. Black folks make up 29%, right? And mm -hmm. then um, uh, Latinx folks make up 10%. So let's talk about this a little more. Um, 60, white folks make up 60% of the population and then 25% of them uh, have COVID. Black folks, 29% of the population, and they represent 29% of reported cases of COVID. And then Latinx, 10% of the population, but 29% of them uh, ha have COVID. So here's the thing is, it is disproportionately mm -hmm. affecting communities of color. Communities of color, for a variety of reasons, are bearing the brunt of of, 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 of the, the, this pandemic, um, mm -hmm. COVID. So here, and, and Jerry brought it up, but I just, I, I Jerry, help me understand why then some people are walking around saying, I have the right not to wear a mask, right? Because if, you, if you're gonna assert your individual rights not to wear a mask, to say, I get to do what I want, I don't have to wear a mask. Can you, like, essentially what you're saying is, I am going to choose my personal rights to not wear a mask mm -hmm. over and against what communities, the protection of communities of color. You're pretty much saying, I, I know that black and brown folks get COVID um, at a disproportional rate. So I'm not gonna wear a mask and I don't care if those black and brown folks get, get, mm -hmm. uh, get COVID. That, that, I, I, I'd rather not wear a mask. Do you, I don't know, I mean, it feels like so long ago, but real in reality, man, this was even just, I don't know, eight weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, they were still making the commercials. Thank you to our essential workers. You would see the commercials and people would be out there clapping for the essential workers, clapping for uh, our, our medical frontline medical staff. But then the numbers started coming in and we started finding out, well, Black people and, and uh, Latinx folks and indigenous people, uh, our Asian Pacific Islander, they're all, everyone's, they're getting, they're, they're having more adverse effects from COVID, what's going on? And then we started to recognize like, oh wait, you mean the essential workers are people of color? All of a sudden, now I ain't wearing a mask. I mean, I think the moment we recognize co the collective we, recognize that the essential workers um, recognize that even a lot of the first responders, second responders, Brianna Taylor was a first responder right away. I don't want to go there, but I just, I'm just putting it out there, y'all. It's been what, I don't know how many days, 117 days? Just saying, just saying. But the moment the faces of the essential workers, because on those commercials, thanking the essential workers, they wasn't showing black folks. 
They weren't showing Asian folks, indigenous folks, Latinx folks. But the moment we collectively found out that the people who were dying because the New York Times article said one in, one, only one in four white folks uh, have jobs where they can't work from home. But the percentage for people of color is closer to like 70%. So, um, and when we start looking at pre-existing conditions, hypertension, diabetes, those sorts of things, um, when you have those kind of comor what they call comorbidities, when you've got multiple um, diagnoses and then you get COVID, you're more likely to have an adverse effect. And so people could say, well, why is that? Well, lack of access to healthcare. You've got kind of that frontline essential worker, which i.e. hourly wage, no health benefits, no pay time off, virtually no protections under the law. Um, and because they're forced to be out there having interactions with people who don't want to wear a damn mask. That you're on mute, brother. Uh, oh, there you go. Now, why do you tell people I'm on mute? I, I, I had it saved and now you just called me up. So, <laughs> so here's the thing is, I, I think that if you're not going to wear a mask, like you're, you're pretty much saying, you're, I, I, I choose to weaponize this disease and I am walking around as a biological weapon with a loaded biological weapon and, and, and this biological weapon because it adversely affects communities of color. I am okay with then um, uh, uh, loading up this biological weapon and deploying mm. it on communities of color. That's pretty much what you're saying. And so when we talk about mm. like, the, the 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 racialized aspect of this disease it's not because we're trying to see something it's to say you choosing not to wear a mask has implications for communities of color and it's your way of saying you know what i'm okay with black and brown folks getting the disease i'm okay with unleashing this on black and brown folks who have less of ability less of an ability to bounce back and i'm okay with infecting folks and as long as you say that, you might as well just wear a placard that says, um, I, 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 if you're a person of color, I'm going <laughs> to infect you. That's what I'm going to do you do, you, when I don't have a mask. You're saying they, they should have to have a, a warning sign saying that they are a, a biological, a mobile biological weapon. They're IED. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's what it means. Like, just understand what the implications are. And, and again, like we've come up to our time again on this, but here's the other thing, man. What, when did we get to be so invested in like individual rights that we're not thinking about what's good for the whole? Like, and I'm not talking about other people now. I come from a field in, in, in my work, we take a lot of care and time to talk about something called um, self-interest. It, it, it's, mm. it's one of the underpinnings of our work. And I wonder if our emphasis as organizers, we've done a disservice because we've so emphasized um, uh, uh, self-interest that we don't have a way to understand <clears throat> the importance of shared interest because that's what this moment requires of us. But see, <clears throat> individual freedom's not for us, man. You know that, right? <laughs> 
we went from we to people to I the person. But yeah. the moment that we included you and me, nah, man, that they like, no, nah, we that's not and 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 in fairness, in fairness to them, uh, the Constitution was not drafted with us in mind. Well, we the people put you at three eighths of the three three fifths of three, a person. Three huh? fifths, yeah. It was the uh, Southern Compromise, which you know. I mean, which has its roots in the the reason why we have the Electoral College. That's where the three-fifths of a person came from, because the South knew that if unless they were able to count their slaves towards uh, a, a delegate count, they would never be able to have power. So the Northerners compromised and said, okay, you could count slaves as three-fifths of a person. Uh, that will make more equal representation uh, in Congress. That's... yeah. Y'all Google it, James Madison Federalist Papers. <laughs> hey, we read up in here. We read. That's right. Uh, we listen to Hamilton. Man, don't you wish they could do all kinds of stuff? Do you think Manuel Miranda, like, if, if, he could do, if he could do something else out of American history, what would you want him doing? Like, what uh, he's would working the, on something. He's working on something, as I understand it. All right, man. We can't go too long because we, we're gonna we're gonna tire people out in our first episode. So, <laughs> Jerry and I will end each of our episodes with what we call a shout out and a call out. And so I, I'm gonna do the shout out this time, and Jerry's gonna do the call out. So let let me let me do the shout out. I want to shout out one Maya Moore. If you don't know Maya Moore, she is a WNBA superstar. Uh, she plays or played with the Minnesota Lynx. She went to UConn, graduated from UConn, won a national championship there. Here's why I am shouting her out. Maya Moore, um, last year, decided to put her WNBA career on hold. At the prime of her career, she said, you know what? I'm stepping away from basketball because there are some things more important than basketball. And what she did, this more important thing, was to really engage um, our criminal justice system. And she got herself involved in the case of a guy named Jonathan Irons. Jonathan Irons very quickly was um, uh, in St. Charles, Missouri. And the case was that somebody broke into the house of a man in St. Charles, Missouri. And um, both folks, the person, the house owner, and then the person who broke in, they both had guns. The homeowner was shot. And then um, the, the person who broke in there um, stole a bunch of stuff. Well, as it turns out, this was laid at the feet of Jonathan Irons. And um, he was 16 when it happened. By the time uh, court was done and they, they pronounced him guilty, he was 18 when he was um, when he was uh, sentenced to jail and he had, was sentenced to like 50 years with no chance of parole. Maya Moore hears about him, gets involved and uh, essentially her family gets involved and essentially her family, um, her godfather is the one who discovers the evidence that they lifted fingerprints from the scene and those fingerprints did not belong to the homeowner, nor did they belong to Mr. Irons. And the prosecutor refused to share that, or uh, neglected, I should say, maybe refused, to share that with the defense 
So a judge overturned the decision, and 23 years later, Mr. Irons is walking out of prison because of the commitment that Maya Moore made um, to him. So Man. again, like she, she decided she could have just kept playing ball. She could have given a little money yep. to the cause. Mm -hmm. She said, I am pausing my WNBA career because I'm going to not just talk the talk, I'm going to walk the walk. She decided right. to not do a Roger Goodell, right, <laughs> who just talks about, apparently Black Lives Matter is, is Black Lives Matter now. It didn't matter right. <laughs> previously. But Maya Moore said, no, I'm going to be about this. And, and all I can say is just mad love, major props, and just all kinds of shout outs to Maya Moore and just the courage. Like when we talk about heroes, she is a hero, plain and simple. Real talk. I mean, she's amazing. I mean, she, she walked away from checks. Checks. Two years worth of checks. She gave up two years worth of checks. How many of us would be willing to do that? Man, I, look, I would love to be the kind of person that could say I would have done exactly what Maya Moore did, but I know I'm not that person. I mean, <laughs> she's great. I mean, when I, if I'm measuring greatness, if I were to put her uh, the Mount Rushmore of great athletes, modern day athletes, she's right up there. Uh, she's, on, she's on Mount Rushmore to me. Uh, shout out. Shout out to Maya Moore. All right, all right, bro. Who are you Man. calling out? I mentioned her name earlier. Uh, 115 days ago, um, Rihanna Taylor was asleep at home, and her place was broken into by armed intruders, mm. where she was shot and killed. It's been 115 days, and her killers have not at all been brought to justice. I'm calling out the Louisville Metro Police Department. Mm, LMPD. LMPD. That's who my call out is. And so uh, I had planned to, even though I told you all not to at me, I had planned on pandering for, you know, Twitter follows and likes and all that stuff. But instead of giving you my contact information, I'm going to give you the number to Louisville Metro Police Department. Five light zero, them up. I'm going to light them up. 502-574-7060. Again, that's 502-574-7060. And just simply ask, when? When will they arrest Breonna Taylor's killers? Right. Because it needs to happen. Um, this is absurd. I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say. It's embarrassing um, that in 2020 that we have to beg and take to the streets for just the just basic human rights and decency. Right. Um, they they got They got to do the right thing. I don't. And I don't. You know. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's not them. Maybe somebody messed up on the warrants. Whoever. But whoever. I don't. I'm not. I don't need to know all that stuff. They need to bring her killers to justice. My call out is, and I will say, sitting here in Kansas City, that I'm calling out Metro Louisville Metro Police Department today. But it could be all police departments, including our own, here in Kansas City. We got to do right. We got to do right by the citizens, man. We got to do right by the people. And that means justice for all.
Justice for all means all, not some, not a few, not most, not many, all. That, that's real talk too, man. That's real talk. So, but before we end, like this, this, this inaugural, this inaugural podcast, before we end, Jerry, you've been daring people to ask you. So what, what's the way that people can, can get at you if they want, if, if they are dissatisfied with some of your takes from, from this episode? At date M. D- <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing, y'all. I am at Jerry Wyco, Jerry, J-E-R-R-Y-W-Y-C-O. Yep, I'm an original dot. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter. And for real, whatever, whatever feedback you got, please hit me up. I'm open to conversation open to correction so let's keep that conversation going man if you were if you really had some dot love you would have been just at j dot but you didn't do that you had to say why co all right that was already taken it was it was was? i don't know i just made that up you just made that up so (laughs) if if you want to get a hold of me you can get um i'm at d-e-t-h-i-m on twitter um, uh, I, I'm not as responsive as, as, as Jerry is on that, um, but uh, ha- happy to respond to this. And I think based on our, um, our call out, what we want to do is um, we, we, we want to end this episode by just saying her name, right? Yeah, man. So, um, I mean, there are, we're going to have fun. We're going to name some stuff. We're going to talk about some serious things. But the reality is we can't be forgetting the people who, are, who, are, who have fallen in the streets. Um, and in, in this case, who was killed in her own home, in her, her own, own bed. Yeah, man. So this, this, first, this first episode, we're not going to forget. We're going to say your name. Hashtag Breonna Taylor. Hashtag Breonna Taylor. Peace and love, y'all. All right. Peace and love, y'all.